And on a Sunday, my ticket is a one-way I'm about to play in the sky I always knew you'd make it one day Today was such a fun day Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to Wazzy Circus Radio, a show where I sit down with the most amazing people that I've met in over a decade of professional skydiving. My guest today is a 21-year veteran of the sport, 7,500-plus skydives, AFF instructor, tandem instructor, videographer. He shoots commercials locally. He's like wind chimes. <laughs> He's a mentor at my mentor at my flight night events that I uh, host at iFly Austin. You guys should come check me out. It's every other Thursday, if you can. I'm gonna get flooded now. Uh, Texas twenty-way gold medalist, super mm-hmm. rad, self-proclaimed shepherd, my friend Sam King. What up, Oz? How you doing, man? Man, I'm killing it, dog. How are you, Sammy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All right, uh, Traffic was a little crazy getting here, but you know. Yeah, from north, Georgetown. North of Georgetown. North right? of Georgetown. Great hinterlands. Hinterlands? What does that mean? Uh, I don't know. All it right. Kind of cool. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you say? So you got a pretty amazing house on how much land? Yeah, we sit on about 15 acres up yeah. north of Georgetown. Sweet, sweet. And um, how many animals? Right now, we're sitting at three dogs, two cats, and about 45 sheep. <laughs> so you're like a fucking shepherd. Yeah, you know, it keeps me busy. Yeah. Out of trouble. So, like shearing and... No, these are meat sheep. So most of the time, we're mostly patching fences, raising lambs, making sure the grass is growing. So it's a working farm? Are you selling these animals? We sell them locally. Yeah, we don't really do any big production. Uh, okay. We grow them all organic, so they're grass-fed, you know, no antibiotics, no medications, all the old school way. H- how did how did you get into shepherding? Uh, kind of by luck and by accident. Uh, we were looking for a place outside of Austin, so we came across this property, and the sheep were already there. It's part of the deal, so we kind of like, well, <laughs> only one way to learn, right? <laughs> Just like skydiving, open the door and dive in. I remember I came to your house, I went down that long driveway, and I was like, what the fuck, son? It was like a zoo over there. It's not what most people imagine when they see me. Yeah, no, not at all. That's not what I thought I was coming to at all. And then your cats run run the house. Pretty much, yeah. We got a a greyhound, a whippet, and an Italian greyhound, so some of the fastest dogs you can own. Mm -hmm. And then two cats that control all them. (laughs) They control everything. Yeah. I remember that. The cats ran shit. Yeah. So um, you offered to teach my boys how to prepare, how, what do you say, kill it, slay? Uh, harvest. harvest. Harvest is a good word. It's a beautiful word. Harvest a lamb. Mm-hmm. And we could take it home. And one of them, you saw it, one of them was like, let's go. Let's do this. The right? other one was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's that whole uncomfortable cycle of life conversation, you know, at some right. point we need to realize where our food actually comes from. You gotta realize. What, it, what it, it takes to get it. Yeah, it's not a plastic wrap thing, man. Right. It was an animal. Right. At one point, that you know, that was a life, and then we're going to use it to forward our life. And I think it's going to give them the opportunity to make their own decision on what they're going to eat and right. why they eat it. Right. Not just something they've heard. They're right. going to experience it. Well, I mean, I can't wait. And it's up to everybody to make their own decision on whether they're going to eat meat or not. But if you do make that decision, uh, it's best to know the whole cycle, where they come from, what happens, how it ends up on your plate. 
Right, right. So do you eat mostly your own game, or do you guys still go to H-E-B? H-E-B um, is a Texas uh, grocery store. Right, little local. Shout out to the H-E-B. H-E-B. We eat a reduced meat diet. So my wife's into, you know, mostly vegetables and stuff like that. So the meat we do eat is usually uh, some store-bought, some of our own lamb. Right? After you've been raising these things for five years, it gets a little more difficult to uh, to harvest them yourself. Oh really? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. After we've we've raised orphans in the house and had them around with our dogs and bottle feeding them, and you, you, oh shit, you start to get over attached to your to your flock, so yeah. to speak. Well, it's your flock, so it's, you sell them. Mm-hmm. Normally, okay. we sell them live on the hoof. So okay. people will come out and then they'll on the hoof. Yeah, what that's that a mean? good word for it. Alive. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess if they're on their back, they're motherfuckers right. ain't alive no, anymore. Not breathing anymore. <laughs> On the hoof, son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know, people then they take them home and they follow their whatever their process is, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's easier on us. As, Way easier. Yeah. So you don't have any partnerships with any local butchers. Or Unfortunately, anything? no. We don't really raise enough to keep a constant, steady supply to a restaurant or a supplier like that. So we've been doing it more on the side. You know, when we need to get rid of some, people show up. They buy what they need for quinceañeras or birthdays or Christmas. Tamale season's coming up, so we'll be probably selling a lot. <laughs> it's food, son. That's it's, a wild way to look at animals, you know, man. The goats and sheep are the most eaten red meat on the planet. It's, it's one of the facts that a lot of people miss. It's not Beef's not the number one animal that we eat. It's goats and sheep. And environmentally, they're more friendly. They eat. They use less resources to become an edible animal. They're easier on the land. You, you know, we're not... Mine aren't living in feedlot conditions. It, no, not at all. They feel just like they would if they were out in the wild. Uh, do people ever purchase pets? No. We never had anybody buy them for pets. Okay. Yeah, they get a little too big and rambunctious when they're full grown, so they wouldn't really make a good city pet right on so um do you harvest them when they're fully grown is that what the deal is or no uh because we raise them all naturally on grass it takes a little bit longer for them to get up to what people would call market size Mm -hmm. so normally a a lamb would go to market about nine months right and in our situation they're usually closer to a year more old before they're ready to be harvested you know in size and maturity and that uh Unfortunately, it's that much more time to get attached to them while they're hanging around, you know, riding out in the field. Yeah, just j- jumping around and playing and mm-hmm. shit. You're like, Looking oh. all cute and innocent over there. So um, I read, what book was that? Dang it. I'm sorry. it's I can't pull it up right now, but it, it talks about the screaming. Oh, Silence of the Lambs. Was it, there wasn't Silence of the Lambs, though, was it? It probably was the beginning, huh? Before the whole Hannibal thing. It was, the, it was like a pro- prologue or something. But they just—they sound like kids. That's they call them kids. Well, that's goats. Goats. Mm-hmm. Okay, sheep don't sound like that. They just bleat. Yeah, they sound a little less like children. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time at our place, if you hear them screaming, it's because they're all out there playing. Right. The only time we really get any of that wild, crazy kind of eerie screaming is when we sell kids, and then the mamas are out there like oh fuck going through their separation or. It's usually a couple of days, yeah. And even after a year, there's still some separation there. You think, you know, most people think feed animals that they just, if they have kids and they never see them again kind of thing, but it's there's always a bond there. Mm. Kind of odd. So you could tell that it's depressed. I wouldn't say depressed, but or looking for them, for sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah, like there's something missing, there's something not right, and then a couple of days go by and they get over it and move on. Holy shit. 
That's intense. That's why it's you can't harvest hole. yourself. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cycle of life, man. It's vicious and, you know, devour to survive. That's kind of the theme of this universe we live in. Devour, I guess so. It's true. Whether you're eating plants or animals, you're eating something. Hey, um, it was awesome you said it was something new to learn, so here we go. You just took it on. I guess you had to. You had them. What else are you going to do? Right. Um, we, we wanted the agricultural exemption for the property, Sweet. and I needed something to help fill my time. And you know the the place is beautiful. It's where beautiful. we want to live. How we want to live. So sometimes you gotta. It changed my perspective. Ever since I left your house, I was like, I don't want a big ass house. I want a lot of land. I've been telling her ever since, like, yo, I want goats. I want. I don't know why I have goats in my head. I'd rather have sheep too, probably. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody's got their preference. Some people don't uh, like sheep. Some people don't like goats. I the screaming part really gets to me. Like you said, yeah. that there's they call them kids for a reason. Yeah, they sound like kids. I've heard them. It's, it's, it's nuts. a little disturbing. <laughs> but the sheep. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine being out there like, Wah! like what the hell is that? Right. So, 21 years ago, what convinced you to do your first tandem? Um, I guess the story starts as I was visiting my dad. And he takes us into the living room of the house he was living in at the time, and he's like, "Y'all got to see this. I got, I got something I got to show you." Uh huh. And we're like, "Oh man, I'm, I don't know what he's got." So he whips out a VHS tape. That's how long it was ago. Walks over to the VCR, plugs in the VCR, and hits play and sits down. And then these weird, old school skydiving videos start coming up. And we're like, "Okay, that's kind of cool. It's kind of right. skydiving movie or something like that." Right. And then the the video pans across this old intro, and I see this thing next to the door that says Skydive Temple. And All the right. first thing that went through my mind was, fuck, Dad joined a cult. Temple. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you living at the time? I was living with my great aunt up in the hill country at the time. Okay, out in Austin. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, Dad started skydiving, and I was probably 14, 15 at the time. So it was a couple years before. So your pops is a jumper. Off. Yeah, Dad's got about 900 jumps or something like that. Right on. So then when I was, after I turned 18, you know, I'd moved back up to the Austin area. You know, he hit me up one day and was like, hey, let's uh, let's go on out and do this. So I remember it was, um, let's see, wasn't Mike Mullins King Air. No, they had a Queen Air or something like that, old school jump plane twin prop. Uh-huh. And I remember pinning my tandem master to the roof of the plane because I was standing up in the back. <laughs> just had that poor some bit squished to the ceiling. Right. And I can hear him in my ear going, duck down, duck down. Let's <laughs> go. So we waddle over to the door, and I remember hearing him say, put your feet over the edge of the door. And right. I remember, like, all I could focus on was just getting my toes out the edge of that door and then ready, set. God. My life was never the same. Never the same. And uh, I landed, and we had video, and uh, the video guy walks up to me afterwards, and he goes, "What? What'd you think?" And all I could manage to stutter out was, "I'll do, I'll do that again." <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, my favorite part of skydive is where people say, like, as a tandem instructor, you disconnect, you turn around, and you say, "What do you think?" Right. Right, and they were like, uh, 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 "The best thing I've ever heard was golly." <laughs> Watch them try to stuff 9,000 words out yeah. of their mouth at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And it's also always awesome to ask them, explain what that felt like. Right. And they're like, man, you can't. There's no words no. invented. Can't even get close. There's nothing, right? Especially your first one. So, 
You only get one first, man. Get the video, son. You only get one <laughs> Pay first. Pay for the video. Pay for the video. How would you explain it? I don't know how to explain it. It's like preaching Jesus to people like, yo, it's going to benefit your life. Let's do this shit, you know? You know, there's really not any words to describe what we what we experience when we leave an airplane. You can you can try to visual or you can try to describe what you see visually. And you can try to describe what you feel from a sensation standpoint or the wind against your body, or you can you can try to describe the sound and the way that the the wind changes pitch as you go through the skydive, or you can try to describe the smell of what the air smells like at 14,000 feet when there's nothing around you. But there's no way to accurately describe the combination of all of those things simultaneously. And I think that's the the crux of our our descriptive issue is uh, there's too many things happening simultaneously that we don't have words for. Man, that was a beautiful description, dude. It's an overwhelming experience, yeah. period. Yeah. That if you've never had um, sensory overload, it's the greatest example of giving your brain so much input, all it can do is shut down and go, nope, nope. not today, buddy. <laughs> I'll check back in in about 30 seconds. <laughs> and then I'll see the camera. Do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> My life's in your hands. Right. People try that in the tunnel. You're like, no, wake up, son. This is not a game. <laughs> There's, There's a not a tandem glass. master yeah. back there. I do not have you. <laughs> <laughs> you need to straighten your legs. You are not the king of the world. <laughs> I am the king of the world. That's my favorite fucking team video, dude. He's like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> I am the king of the world. <laughs> you guys got to see that video. King of the world, uh, join the team.com. It's on there, right? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you ever seen that video? Oh, dude. Oh, my God. I wonder if we could find that video. I've got it on my Instagram. Uh, you guys can find it on the Instagram. So it's this uh, Asian dude doing a tandem, right? Hand cam. Right, great jump, whatever. The canopy opens, and he's blown the fuck away. And he's like, "I'm the king of the world." And it was like a revelation to him. Like, I'm this. Like, I can do anything. Right? I'm the king of the world. And the instructor's like, "Yeah, man, high five. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the king of the world." And like, they, <laughs> they pause it and put a crown on him and shit. And this is king of the world. He's like, "Ah, dude, it's the best video. You guys gotta see that that's video." Uh, that's that moment in time where they're. All your doubts and fears have been eliminated through sheer just force of the moment. And then what pops out is that I can do anything. Force of the moment. The force of the moment. The force of the moment. The force of that moment when you let go. Right. Force is a weird word to put to that, but that's what it is because it is a force. Yeah, it's like getting hit by a wave or, or something similar because... Yes, a wave. Try to deny it like it didn't happen, but at the same time, you you got knocked back, right? Straight out of your socks. Yeah, man. And the buildup on the way up, all the emotions, all the doubt, all the terror, all the fear, all the regrets, all the rude things you said. Right. Very introspective right up on the plane. Oh, yeah. Every time. Even for me now. Every time. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, I could have done that better, man. If this is it, if this is it, you've got to accept it. If this is it, have I been doing this shit right? It's like your own little... uh, What's the word? Little box you go in to admit your sins. Your yeah, your own confessions to confessions yourself to and your universe, God. Yeah. Right? Because you don't want him to strike you down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, something that's been on my heart lately, man. Dakota Meyer was on, and he said, um, when you look at a tombstone, there's like the year you were born and the year you die. Right. And in between, there's a dash. He's like, man, I'm going to own that dash. Right? 
own the dash. Whole sum of your life and one little chip there. Yeah, yeah. But the dash is what's important, not the day, you know? So, like, that's the name of his podcast. Check it out. Super badass. But it stays on me. The other day, we were doing the uh, 22 ways. Well, two days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skydive Spaceland San Marcos. A little weird to say. I'm glad it happened. Trust me. Thomas Hughes. Shout out Thomas Hughes. That was a great, great event. Yeah. Great event. But it's still weird to say. But um, it was freezing, freezing cold. Had to be there at seven. It's an hour and half, hour and a half drive. I was off a tunnel comp in Houston where my kids got to compete in freestyle. Uh, big week, lots of stuff going on. I was like, man, I am tired. I don't want to be cold, but I'm going to own the fucking dash. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to. I'm still. I've got to push. And man, I showed up, and you guys were there, and it's all what twenty one of my friends right. that I've known for how long? You know, and it was just dude. And it was warmer up top because of inversion, right? Then I mean, it was the perfect day to go skydiving. Yeah, once it cleared, it turned out absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. Uh, it's you know, as a Texas jumper, we get spoiled because here it is December and it's just now getting cold on us. Uh, yeah, and I'm complaining about fifty guys. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, complaining was about like, 45, 40. It was like Thirty-seven that morning. Yeah, but well, by the time we got up in the air, yeah, forties. Let's call it. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm soft. Friends, it was thirty-two. <laughs> yeah and you were sitting by the door yeah i was sitting by the door i'd cling on the outside of the airplane too Ugh. it was a little bit chilly that's why i went in the office like uh y'all have any insulated gloves <laughs> i'm a yeah. texas jumper i forget to buy these things until the absolute <laughs> last yeah, moment last second so have y'all had any of those that no sorry sir <gasps> so did you get okay. some rubber gloves from yeah. from was it who was weldon was hooking us weldon. up with the, weld, the rubber gloves yeah thanks know. weldon man shout out so if you guys don't know and it's cold and you're jumping you don't know put some um rubber gloves like some surgical gloves on underneath your skydive gloves and it's it's beautiful even for snowboarding it's beautiful it's phenomenal it's, but it's get ready to sweat yeah you, you, yeah so maybe not for snowboarding <laughs> <that's just me. laughs> um so it just so happens that uh doug Jacques was on last week yeah uh, he's a 70 year old tandem instructor travels the world competes around the world still very right. active dude and we dedicated that show to george herbert walker bush and then the next day, we drive to Houston, or that night, I don't know, like the next day, we drove to Houston, and then we passed his motorcade, mm. you know, on the wow. way down there, yeah. right? That was that was special. And then all everything happened, and then I show up at the drop zone on a Sunday for the big ways, and like, we're honoring George Bush with this 41 way for his 41st presidency. I was like, man, this is a George Bush fucking week, son. Uh, but, you know, badass Navy pilot, and he loves skydiving. I love skydiving. It... it he touched my heart with his skydiving. Like, right. he, and I heard some one of his last statements was, "I wish I could have got out of that plane one more time." Right. You that, know, that was the one thing. You know, if you look around that group of people that was on that jump, there were all different political persuasions, oh, all yeah. different ranges of you know social economic classes, whatever right. you want to call it. But Engineers, attorneys, um, I don't know what Jet Boy does, but wealthy people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's But the it didn't sky. matter. You it know, we matter. were there to celebrate a skydiver. You know, a dude that, I mean, think about your first jump is people shot up your plane and it's on fire and you got to jump out in enemy territory. That's skydive number one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys freak out getting in the tunnel, son. Right, that takes, that takes a different level of commitment. You know, it's like ocean and sharks or flames, flames and Flames and death, man. He... 
and then to go back and do it again, you know, as a recreational thing, that takes that takes a big pair, in my opinion. But then over and over again, right? I mean, because you love it when you fall in love with it, you fall in love with it. I'm sure if they if he hadn't have been presidential and stuff after that first jump of seventy five, he'd been one of those dudes that every weekend he'd have been out there hucking it to the wind. And it sounds like he was so cool, he'd have been grilling up too. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yo, come on over here, let's hang out. He sounded like a cool dude to hang out with, man. I think we have video of the forty one way event we just did. Super sweet jumps, man. Uh man, big ways are a different beast. Big ways, belly way, whatever, man. It's um so I'm in love with the two-way with my boy Sergio or Dusty Shaw or fucking Steve Downey, you know, um, any of those, Mudbug, any of you, Eric Michael, any of you high-level flyers out here in Texas that I'm around where I can just get out and stop thinking. My body disappears. I'm just carving. We're moving around. It's fun. It's zero responsibility other than your body, but I'm right. so confident in it that it's it's an out-of-body experience. Right. It's the greatest fucking feeling, oh, yeah. man. That's I swear. Fine. Big ways are going to work. You're clocking in. You've got a fucking mission to do from the second you get on. It's intense. The dirt dives, you don't want to fuck this up. You don't want to be the one out. You want to be the one low. Right? I blasted by on this jump stuff with the smoke. Y'all don't see me, man. I was coming in hot. I was like, I'm going to beat everybody. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> boom. <laughs> I tried to slow down. We're I'm right gonna by. Him. I'm going to beat him to pull time. <laughs> hey, dude looked at me. He's like, you're supposed to be on my right. I was like, I know I'm supposed to be on your right. <laughs> Give me a second. Uh, cameraman was like, you're putting smoke in my face. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. But like. It's intense. You got to get your slot. You got to fly your slot. You can't dock and relax. You got to hold your position. You'll mess the entire thing up. Um, the track off the breakaway, there's 22 people with you on that breakaway. Right. It's not like on the plane that day and there's some tandems in this group and that group. It's yeah. one fucking group yeah, of all, people. All in the same tunnel of air at that point. Oh, uh, yeah. And um, I'm used to getting down first because i'm on the velo and by myself and i get to swoop and kick man i'm in the middle of traffic now hauling ass right it, it's an intense it's an intense thing and then after you land there's people fucking everywhere coming out of the sky so you're, you're not done till you're in the pack room with your shit on the floor right. then the jump's done right then you finally take a breath and uh, exhale and try to calculate what just happened and then you look around like did it work <laughs> did we build it <laughs> did, did it build get that on video did we get Anybody? that yeah, yeah. So let's watch that video, man. So, um, shout out Mark Farr, Scott Latin, his friends oh, of the show. Great men. Great There's men. a crawl out. Man, crawling out of that otter is beautiful. So this is the video that was played on Fox News. That was me right there getting ready. Getting ready. Bomb the door. Uh, just pouring out. That's me in the red and white with the micron. Shout out Vector. Go, go, go. Boom, boom, boom. Get out the door, son. George Neeson in the green and yellow. So there's, there's the chunk. And we're all diving down, setting up the cats. So we're building the 41. All right. It's going to be choppy. The internet's not the greatest here. But, yo, you guys, so this is slot specific. Um, it's a lot of people. People are coming in hot. It's easy to go low. It's easy. There I go, right by the formation with the smoke on. Oh, I'm not in the right spot. <laughs> like, I have this high visibility thing. Let me. Uh, just <laughs> yeah, everybody watch me. So that's, that's me with the smoke just tearing up my converse, man. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, um, it's a Wazzy original print on that Converse. Yeah, though. man. I'm never getting rid of those shoes now. That was for 41s. Yeah, yeah. So this is the yeah, end of the weekend. There it is, man. So, like, we saw his motorcade go by. Uh, dedicated show to him. There he is, Mr. Boom. Bush. Thank you, sir. Thank you for bringing it on. There's the breakaway, baby. And those boys in the middle trying to rip it up. 
Trying to that's, get a couple uh, extra points. Yeah, yeah. That's Bully, Latinus, Mark Farr. Who else was in that? I think David Bowen was in there. Yeah, yeah. Man, we man, what a fucking day. That's me on the left with booties and grippers, son. <laughs> booties and grippers, son. I think I've only seen it twice. <laughs> I only want to hang out with you guys. Right. That's the only time I wear that shit, baby. <laughs> and you ain't too cool to belly fly. You might not be cool enough. I'm right. going to try to tell you the truth. <laughs> you go try four-way, baby. Now, 22, get the fuck out of here. Well, that's the thing about big way is it's it's much more a team environment. The, yeah, the individual part has to drop away, and you become a bigger part, or you become part of a bigger organism at that point. So it's not mm-hmm. just about the eye anymore. It's not the ego has to go away in order right. to make stuff like this work. Because even even people with people with a lot of skydives in that situation, you know, you got a lot of pressure, like you said, tense, difficult maneuvers, and you gotta just take a deep breath and remember I'm playing for a team here. You know, we're doing this as a group. Right. We're trying to make this as a goal together, not just uh what they say. The hero moves are the ones that they'll be like, Yeah, yeah, that was a great move. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. Or you're not invited <laughs> back. Because these are invites only. You can't just walk on a DZ. I, this, you know, this one was the last right. couple I've been on were uh how do you get together twenty two people? I yeah. mean, that's tough. Hey, you guys, when you get out of the plane, it's a sea of fucking people <laughs> in black jumpsuits. What the fuck? Right. <laughs> Everybody make it that much more same. difficult. Everybody dressed like a ninja. That yeah. way we can't tell who's who. <laughs> we can't see. Yeah, so you're like, I'm over there. I don't know where the fuck I'm going. Hey, I remember my first couple big ways with you guys, and it was just like, you get out of that plane, it's like, boom, whoa. Right. There's traffic now. Like that photo behind you there. Yeah, that was a couple years ago. up on a ago. formation load and- Dude, you know, those jumps were magic 40 too. Forty people in the sky, all, all of a sudden. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, man. That was uh, Skydive Lone Star. Shout mm-hmm. out. Yeah, that's the King Air. That's the Otter from somewhere. I don't remember. Skydive Midwest, probably. Shout out Keith. Even not. Shout out Keith. All right, so largest skydives are seventy-eight way. Yep, seventy-eight way. Uh, it only took me twenty years to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> it's fucking simple. I'm gonna go do that shit tomorrow. Yeah, I. I was lucky enough to get an invite to the Arizona Challenge this year. Go out to Skydive Arizona and see what the, the real big boys are doing out there. Talk about intimidating, man. You walk out onto, that's like walking out onto the home field of the Dallas Cowboys or something. You're like, whoa. Right. I think I might have stepped out of my league here. Right. Really? <laughs> Just talent. You know, it's as, Pure as talent. the first time, yeah, you see so many people with so many thousands of jumps and world records and gold medals and, you know, they're regular people just like everybody else, but the, still the intimidation factor is kind of high yeah. for a, a nobody from Texas like me. So in the 78 way, you you definitely break in waves. Were they using alternate landing areas for that? Uh, Skydive Arizona has a pretty big um, multiple landing areas to begin with, so it right. really wasn't that big a deal. You know, where you came into the pattern kind of said determined where you were going to oh, okay. land. You know, so oh, that's not bad at all. With that many people... You know, by the time you tracked from 5,500 or 5,000 feet down to three grand, like you've moved a long distance. Right. And usually, most of the time, I was finding myself out by in the desert kind of by myself. So, <laughs> like, I all right. I'm alone now. <laughs> I'm just going to find a spot in between these trees. And Doesn't seem to be anyone around. Land and start walking back. Yeah. Yo, so... um. That's how they get those two out. They have you track from 5.5 five to 3. Get the fuck out of here because right. you got to make that space. Yeah, if you're on the outside edge, you definitely, if there's two waves coming out behind you, you're definitely going to want to cover some ground on the on the way as, you know, as flat and as long as possible. 
Yeah. So that the guys behind you don't catch up. Right on. So uh, let's watch a video. So this is Craig O'Brien's awesome videography here. I got to be lucky enough to be on his plane. I'm on front float on this plane. So right on. see me the back of my head up there. Shout out Skydive Arizona. If you guys haven't been to Eloy, it is Disneyland for skydivers. It's spectacular. They've got the airlift. They've got a tunnel on site. Restaurant and bar called the Bent Prop. Baby! Love the Bent Prop set. I've stumbled out of the Bent Prop many a time to walk to the tunnel at 2 in the morning to watch airspeed train. Like, holy shit, what a magic place. Look at that plane formation. 78. Was that? Four planes? Yeah, four planes. Sky van in the middle. There's a chunk. Beautiful, man. Yeah, see just a swarm the sea of people. Of people you Everybody's guys. stacking up that stadium, getting on their radials, coming in. Yep, coming in. So you got to get, hey, so listen, when doing these, it's easy to blast by. Your boy did it. If I did it on this jump, I'd have been cut. You know what I'm saying? Because I would have ran into 20 feet people. Yeah, you don't have a lot of room to play. No, you don't. You got you to gotta stop above, slow down, then stair step down slowly to your slot, come in on level, wait till the person in front of you takes a grip, then you take your grips. Right. So if you get there early, there's no real benefit. So you can see me in the bottom left-hand corner there in black and green jumpsuit. I'm at the formation for a good, I don't know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds before I my see, with slot white gloves. even becomes available. Right. So you just got to show up, wait till everything that's supposed to build builds around you. Look you at know, that. Have patience, have, and then get on when it's your turn. See, look, look, they're trying to close it. It's not easy. And People find chunks. Wow, look at that. Time and to go. Track. Go. So this is the first wave out. So second wave. this is what we mean by tracking. You got to track or die. You got to get out of there. And I look at the number of canopies woo! here when Craig opens up. It's just a, just a waterfall of parachutes everywhere. <sighs> Those are all your friends, man. You're all sharing a sacred space, man, for a minute of your life. You know, right. after this one, I, I got to thinking it's a lot like, what do they call it, ordeal dances, right? So back in the day, people used to get together and do really crazy ordeals, let's call it, uh, for no other reason than to just for dance for the gods, right? And that's that's kind of how I look at this big way stuff is it's, it, it's ephemeral. It lasts for, you know, two and a half to five seconds. Right. But it took years of dedication and work and commitment uh, to make it happen on wow. the part of 70 different people you know and the the energy that that surrounds that and the power that goes along with it like you, you fly up to that thing and dock on it and it's like you're sucking electricity off a lightning bolt you know yeah. you got all of those people with focused as tight as they can be focused all on the exact same thing all at the exact same time all with the exact same goal and then it creates this uh i don't know unique situation let's call it no a powerful field right. let's call it yeah yeah a, just a, a massive grouping of human potential focused and and accomplishing so that's the thing about big ways guys and belly jumps i know y'all want to free fly and try to touch hands and you never get together yo <laughs> um these big ways work and right. that's the weird thing like when mark far puts something together you're like, he's like stand there grip this go there you're like this what the hell is he talking about and you get in the sky and everybody's focused like laser focused we fly our slots whether you understand what's going on and you see the video you're like oh that was dope right i didn't know we built that <laughs> you know what i mean the dirt diver didn't look like that <laughs> yeah that's what separates the organizers from the jumpers is that vision that all right we'll put these dudes here and these dudes here and then we'll 
spin all of it and it'll come back into this new thing and yeah, yeah that's yeah the, that's the next level shit right there but there's something to be said about all those people so focused on a common goal working together selflessly right has nothing to do with you you get your doc you disappear in the formation right. it has yeah. nothing there's nothing you can do other than something stupid right to have yourself stand out so it has nothing to do with you ego needs to be gone this is a group function and then the safety and awareness of your friends and the love you have for these people right. and the joy, especially when you think it built, whether it did or not, you look across <laughs> like, this shit built. You know, <laughs> even the ones that aren't successful, they're still a crap load of fun. I yeah, definitely. But, uh, I've landed from skydives that weren't successful and uh, we got everything we wanted to do, but you still, everybody's got an ear-to-ear grin. Everybody's slapping the high fives. Everybody's talking it up. When we get in, did you see that? That was amazing never done that before you know it's right it's the yeah. next level of fun yeah yeah uh go buy your beer if that was your <laughs> <Right>. first <laughs> never done that huh quit landing in the water <laughs> so um no speed limit event it's a scott latinus event right latinus and then i think him and tom jenkins started it years back down okay. at skydive uh spaceland houston so many of them shout out spaceland right it's my one of my favorite events it was my first formation events my first 40-way events were all with latinus and mark Farr and all those guys down at spaceland houston and that's where i kind of got to cut my teeth on this uh big way stuff right on it's um it's weird coming from so many years of skydiving and then picking up not anything that's new but a new level of something that you really love you know, I right. never really considered myself a belly flyer, even as a tandem master or doing AFF and video. I was always just a free flyer who was working for jumps. Yeah, you know? me too, buddy. And then it, after I decided to retire from tandems, I was lucky enough, Mark Farr and John Farrington, those guys were like, hey, man, you know, why don't you come do some belly flying with us? And I'm like, you know what? These are cool guys. Maybe it's not free flying. I'll go try it. We'll see. You know, we'll just right. go have some fun. And it turned out to be um, a new facet, a spectacular new facet of skydiving for me that it's it helped me grow as a person. It's challenged me, gave me new goals. You know, it's really pushed me forward. Yeah, man. And now now I want to get my 100-way, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's chasing that 100-way. Yeah, yeah. And then see where it goes from there. So you your first tandem was at Temple? Uh, yeah, my first tandem was at skydive temple in 1997 97 and then you moved to skydive texas in lexington right my dad moved out to lexington just happened to move out there into the area and then we realized that the drop zone was there and then we started going over there he started jumping there and then when i got ready to learn we went out there and did aff and right on um cindy owned it then yep cindy gibson was the owner Uh, shout out love you mama right she's Spawned a lot of good skydivers. Lots of good skydivers. People want to talk a lot of shit, but man, the talent is out there. Right. A lot of talent has come out of skydive. A lot of people yeah, owe her. Hey, man, um, dude, I've seen something in this sport that is, is fascinating to me. IAD students, instructor-assisted deployment students that learn in Cessnas, are the ones that have the longevity. Yeah. And they're the swoopers, and they're the badasses, the ones that started at these little places. The people, no, not knocking anything, I love you guys, but a lot of people that buy like the jump package, they started- turban babies. Yeah, turban babies, you know, you got otters and shit. They jump for three, four years, it's fun, they've accomplished it, they're gone. Right. The lifers come from Cessna drop zones. If I'm wrong, correct me, don't fucking correct me. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, but I think it's because it takes more dedication to get through the early growth of a skydiver at a Cessna drop zone than it does at a turbine. It takes real grit and determination to keep showing up every day, even though you know you may only get two loads and it's going to be that. hot and stinky in the back of a 182. That that grit and dedication builds long-term skydivers. And, and it also weeds out the people quickly who don't want to be there just because... You know, right, because any there's thousand excuses, <laughs> right. thousand excuses can come up. Yeah. That is so true because you know I did fifty jumps my first year. It was I'd go out there Saturday morning. I wouldn't right. jump till Sunday night. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was one load because the winds, the weather, the clouds. We had to come back. We mm-hmm. just ended up staying out there. Part of it is, in my opinion, part of it is it. By the time you get a hundred jumps in that community, you're really embedded into the community because you've been there for months and months on end to get those first hundred jumps, and that that family atmosphere I think helps b- adding to the dedication and the commitment. And people are coming back to see their friends a little right. bit as much as they are to come back to jump. Oh, even more maybe, right. even more maybe. And on contrast, Dakota Meyer shout out, he did. 22 jumps on one Tuesday. And that's crazy. 30. He's like going for 30s. Like he did 100 jumps in a week. That's that's badass material right there. That's badass material, but I, I told him he's missing out on some of the experience, man. Yeah, you know, I'm sure he'll get over that and he'll get to oh, the meat getting, of yeah. the thing, but everybody has that wild, I got to jump now. Now. Yeah. <laughs> when over you get and the, over, especially yeah. Especially when you get that A license stamp. Yeah. Like, let's do this. Yeah. Why so is he that got plane his, still sitting there? Come on. He got his B license in two weeks or some crazy shit. That's impressive. Yeah, you know. Um, it does take time. And I think there's true, and I say this all the time, guys, there's true value in the fireside chats at the right. end of the night, man. Yeah. The, the, the sharing old raggedy ass beer. That's how the ghetto birds were formed, man. Um, that builds. I mean, those are my brothers for life. We talk constantly shout out the ghetto birds right but that was through a struggle right in oklahoma high winds and rains and tornadoes and shit while we're in the drop zone you know and that's also the fact that you get to pick those guys brains to a level that you might not get to do at a weekend passing where you saw them for 30 minutes in between the loads you know? right and you really get down and get the old dirty stories that they don't want to tell right of how they almost died and what you know what decision or what accidental thing saved them that might help you in the future yep. that they may not tell if they hadn't had four shots of vodka and yep. sitting by a bonfire somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the jewels. Right, that's the jewels. Right. You got to mine those yeah, jewels, yeah. and, and you shit do that keep you alive. Yeah, and you stumble across them. This guy, like, yeah, man, this one time didn't take the seatbelt off. Hit, you know, whatever it was. You know what I mean? Didn't right. connect this or that. Yep. Yeah, man, that's. Um, so get back to Lexington. I want to say that Cindy had fostered that atmosphere. Oh, yeah. And it's still alive today. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about it on the show. One of my favorite fucking dro- Man, probably my favorite drop zone. I'm not kidding. And There's I- llamas in fucking Guinea Hen <laughs> on the landing area. There's donkeys. The kids have a great time. There's pigs running around and shit. Man, there's a white llama that sits on the <laughs> runway, and the plane just, dude, the wing goes right over. Oh, I don't know how I edited that shit out. Yo, it's fucking nuts, but the thing doesn't flinch. Right. It just keeps eating and just watches the plane go wrong. <laughs> I was like, oh. At first, I was freaked. Now, I can't wait to see that goddamn llama. Yeah, it's, um, I think it's skydiving like it was a, a, a decade or two ago. Two decades ago. Right, when it was a little less... I hate to say materialistic or corporate, but you know that's right. what it was. There was less money involved in it. It was right. more about keeping the business and the family going, and 
right increasing and pushing the sport forward and they're all about that. Yeah. You know, it's the best thing ever is when you land and your kids run up like, the llamas are mean. <laughs> <laughs> you think spit at me. <laughs> he tried to bite Jackson. I'm like, uh, uh, leave him alone. You know, but Stop chasing like that you. rooster. He's going to get you. You started at a small Cessna DZ in the middle of nowhere. I started in a small Cessna DZ in the middle of nowhere. Two of the guys that I started with, you know, Daniel Williams down at Skydive Spaceland, he's got 20,000 plus skydives now. Mm-hmm. James out at Lexington, he's kicking up over 15, who knows how many thousand skydives now. Right. And the three of us, we just started as friends, you know, right. doing crazy shit together because we didn't know no better right. <laughs> trying to touch hands in the air man <laughs> it's like you know we did our i did my first night jump with those guys our very first one was a hop and pop okay we went out to check to see if the where the cloud level was and it was high enough to get a hop and pop but not higher then the next jump we go back up and they were both more experienced than me at the point at the time so that we basically just did an aff off into the dark with two of my best friends you know that's the kind of stuff that that's it's hard it. to repeat. It's, it's fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's it's special moments. Dude, I remember launching five way wingsuit jumps out of a two hundred six with my ghetto birds, right. dog. Like I would in the suit go rear float on the Cessna, <laughs> my foot on the step hanging, and then we'd put four, no three on the wing, right. and then one dive in the door and go do a ghetto bird five way setting our wingsuit, just flopping around. But, you know, if that's all you know, you don't know no better. That you're just making the impossible come true. And that's yeah. what really teaches you that in, you know, impossible is nothing. Nothing, just a word. Right. And and it helps you appreciate the fucking otters. Oh man! And my favorite beast, the king air baby. <laughs> Fuck you in your door. I love that motherfucking <laughs> duck. Eight minutes. I can't, dude. Yeah, I got oh. to do my AFF level one out of Mike Mullins King Air. Oh, that's dope. Shout out Mike. Shout out Tennessee skydiving. Yeah. West Tennessee skydiving. I remember going through AFF course and they're like, "All right, when you get in the plane, you need to be ready to skydive." Get out. <laughs> and you know, I had done an observer ride in a 182 prior to that, and I was like, "What are they talking about, dude? It took us like 25, 27 minutes to get right. up there. Like, this is not, I'm gonna have some time to, you know, right. go over in my head, think about what I'm supposed to do." Uh-uh. No, yeah. You sit down in the King Air and put your helmet on, put your goggles on. Hold now, on. <laughs> right now, and you know, I that's probably my infatuation with King Air is the first turbine I ever jumped with Mike Mullins plane. I just thought about that. That's why I love them so much. I have an attachment to them. You know, the King Air in Monterey Bay, which will be out there in February, uh, fast right. to eighteen grand, and I mean fast. Like if you were not connected to your student by the time the wheels were coming up. You're behind, son. <laughs> right. Like on the on the runway, I'm like, listen. When we time. get to the door, click, click. All right, your ladder. All right, ladder, help me tighten this. You're gonna crotch down, arms crossed. Time you're backwards, yeah. Not to slide to the door. Man, if their helmets weren't on, by the time you're at a thousand feet, the door's gonna open on you, wow. and you're gonna be behind. Wow. Yeah, it's fast, dude. The clouds used to pass us like this in free fall. <laughs> it was the greatest. But that's a long ass skydive, right? And yeah, we're gonna be ocean over there. Check it out. Uh, still. But as a tandem instructor, man, Ooh, it's a lot of work. So I came from a, D, a DZ with 182, where you know nine five was twelve. <laughs> twelve. It's yeah, funny how that we're at twelve thousand. We got nine five. Nobody knows the difference. Ah, they don't know the fucking difference. And then you know got to Dallas and we're doing thirteen maybe right. I got out to Monterey doing tandems, Doug. Oh my God, we had thirteen thousand feet of free fall before we deployed the parachute. 
I was used to getting out at 13, right. dumping with 8,000 feet of free fall. So my routine was, you know, yeah, 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 360 left, 360 right, spin real hard, back at the camera, look at the bay, boom, pull. No, yeah, that back in the day, <laughs> that was it. When you get to Monterey, you're like, I'm at 12,000. <laughs> Right, do I'm that again. 12, do it again. You're just like, oh, it's out of me. This is just a long and on video, shitting your pants because you can't check your, you know, you can't check right. your altimeter. You wait like for a beat, but you don't know if the beat, dude. You've been, yeah, yeah. It's a month. You're like, <laughs> I gotta roll a novel up of this motherfucking dog. Trying to look out to bottom of your goggles. <laughs> like, I think this dude's gonna kill me. <laughs> dude, you look at the dude like, come on, man, we gotta be close. He's like, nah, uh-uh. man, no. <laughs> nine five. We're <laughs> nine five. Oh, shit, no way. We're at nine five. Yeah, that was the best, man. I miss that shit. You never know, man. Somebody was telling me that. um there was a guy at San Marcos, I think, that was coming out. It was Vic. Vic and Connie Vic. Cruzy. Shout out Vic. Um, he was coming out to do his last solo skydive. Um, medical issues, older guy. They were going to hold him on an AFF. But it was his last skydive. And I was like, man, that's fucked. That sucks. Yeah, you I don't, can never do the last one. Right, but he was like, hold on, hold on. It's beautiful. He chooses his last jump. Right? He He's saying this is it. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are going to drive away one day thinking we'll be back next weekend right. and you never make it be, back yeah. for whatever no. fucking reason. And like, I left Cali like that. There was a, I left a day or two earlier than I was going to or something. And I was like, you know, the last jump, I didn't take it as serious as I should have because mm-hmm. there was no way that was my last jump. Right. But it was. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's what happens when you jump a lot. You don't take, you don't take the seconds a free fall. You don't you don't weigh them as preciously as you should because you're no, just packing you and getting on the plane. You're gonna go more, but dude, every time you let go of that aircraft and you roll over and you look at your friends and the wind takes your body and your head down and you're fucking blasting. Man, that needs to be celebrated right. one by one, yeah, yeah, section by section. Look at the exit. Look at my. I'm coming in, son. Look at the dock. Like, let's talk about that. What did that feel? But we don't do that. Well, that's one of the things that makes skydiving improve as it ages is because as you increase in the number of jumps and the time that you've been doing this and your skill level you can savor more of those nano moments than you were able to when you're like oh shit where's my you know where are my course, handles of course where's my gear working right and that's one thing that i've like i like train in four-way this year we leave the plane and i'd look at the plane and be like wow this is awesome right you know New stuff I've never done before. Exciting, tense moments, but you still you have to be able to to breathe it in and realize what you're doing. Otherwise, right. like you said, it'll blow, it'll blow away. And so you'll never see it again. Um, I broke my leg on a tandem a few years ago, and I did another three, four hundred more. But I knew I was done. Right? I was like, I was done being a hero. So. I knew I was going to stop doing tandem soon, especially yeah. when I started at iFly and I was going to San Marcos on weekends, working five days a week at iFly, getting beat up, mm-hmm. then going out there. Skydiving's way easier than working in the tunnel, guys. I'm going to tell you right now, free fall is so no much nicer. And like the people, I don't know, it's just it's just way more physically demanding in the tunnel. And well, I sit in tandem, you only, you might take a hit every time, but you're only going to take one every time as opposed to you get in the tunnel. That dude may hit you 14, yeah. 15 times. Yeah, easy. So my last 200 tandems easy, I stopped flying tandem and I started skydiving. Right. 
and I knew I was going to miss it. And it was such a sweet, every jump was precious, mm-hmm. those last few times, because I knew it was coming to an end. Right. So I'd get out, get them straight, boom, and then I'd fucking go skydiving. I'd look around at the clouds. I'd watch everything. It was just, it opened up my awareness so much. And I took advantage of those last, I'm very glad I did that. I took advantage of those last couple hundred jumps to like really appreciate the people. And man, I, I miss doing tandem a lot. It, it know, was, it's a magic fucking thing. It is. And y- you never realize how many lives you touched or changed until it's over and you start thinking back and, you know, right. stuff that just blew by in the busyness of the day. When you go back and reflect on it later, you're like, damn, dude, like we've, we've really had a, a solid connection with that person that I never met before that I was around for 10 minutes. Right, thirty minutes, forty minutes, thirty tops. But even if they don't remember my name, I'm gonna be burned into their memory for the rest of their life. Rest, of, and when you disconnect them, they look at you and say "golly," <laughs> and they hug you. That is the most genuine. Oh, yeah. So, like, I get hugs now, but not like that. No, you there's know. no hug like the hug of the person whose life you just saved. Right, changed. Right, morphed, upgraded. Right, like I remember when I first started jumping. And facing that fear is like, what really got me was base jumping. Facing that fear, which is fucking to the bone mm. chilling, and then still operating at a high level, right. showed me I could do any fucking thing. There's yeah. nothing like, and when I would get nervous, like corporate situations and stuff, like, oh yeah, these lawyers or these guys are have more money than me. I'm like, ah oh, man, if I can face a tower in the middle of the night in Oklahoma, these guys ain't shit right, right. now. You know what right. I mean? It gives you a pride in yourself. Skydiving gives you a pride in yourself. That's how you asked me on, on the questionnaire, how did it change my life? It made me feel like a human being and not some black guy. I'd right. always been just some out of place fucking guy, right? And I found myself as a person in skydiving. That's how it changed and my life. I think life. that's a theme that you see, through, especially through the long-termers. Like we, we found ourselves in this sport and that's one of the reasons we don't leave. Right. It's, you know, it showed us who we were. We weren't necessarily skydivers before that but we're the type of people who become skydivers and who stay skydivers and who make new skydivers right right it it taught me the same thing to be confident in myself and that no matter what situation arrives i'm gonna be fine you know that there's never been a doubt there's been a couple times i went oh crap this could be the end but there was never a time when i said all right, I'm going to stop fighting and let that go, you know, and just no, give yeah, in to my fate that. bullshit. Yeah, I, fuck that. I'll <laughs> scream and I'll cuss my fucking parachute out. Motherfucker, open! Yo. Right. <laughs> How many chops you got? Uh, just seven. Just seven? Just seven. So all sport or tandem? Mostly tandem. Yeah, fuck I have one sport rig. Okay. Uh, cut away at 75 jumps where I packed myself a bag lock. Oh, and, did you? Yeah. I packed the May West. I packed the fucking, uh, I wrapped my fuck. You know, I'm glad my first one was a bag lock because it's one of those really easy to identify, like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, that's definitely not going to work. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. I still remember that five-cell canopy opening over the top of me, like, all right, I don't think this was any better than the, <laughs> the bag lock, <laughs> but it probably landed a little softer. <laughs> What was it like? Uh, what it was it like a five cell raven? Ravens, yeah, dude, it, it dude, those ravens school, are beasts, man. Old school. I got buddies that started basing on ravens. They were great. Yeah, it was. It had I think huge, my first might have been on a raven. I still remember looking up and seeing that the toggles were sewn to the risers and thinking, 
Somebody's trying to kill you. <laughs> Somebody wants you to die. Like, isn't that supposed to be Velcro? <laughs> this what, one's sewn on. What do you mean sewn on? Yeah, it had like e-thread through the through the toggle sewn to the riser. So there was no Velcro in the attachment. That's how they were supposed to be attached. And you reached up and grabbed the toggle and then just break the e-thread and fly the parachute. Holy shit. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit crazy. The Holy the, shit. Yeah. And on a five cell. Hold on, hold on. Let's stop at that right fucking now. <laughs> Let's stop at that right now. Do you guys understand what this cat just said? Listen, man. <laughs> I've never heard this in my life. So they would tack the the, the toggles to the reserve risers mm-hmm. with some light, yeah. easy break thread. Not not like I'm sure they had their reasons. But it's not a stow like we got these days. You don't stow the toggles. They would sew them down when they repacked your shit. And when you reached up, you had to like fucking tear them. Well, the scary part was that they didn't tell you that they were sewn down. So you look up there and you're like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> why was yeah. I paying this rigor? <laughs> so why isn't the opening force as strong as you took? I guess not. If the toggles are stowed, there's nothing no, and on And you're them. pulling down on the toggles. Right. You know, so it's down. stowed in the ring. It's, it's still... The brakes are set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, however, and then it's tacked down. And then it's tacked down. Wow, that's fucking crazy. Yep. And then you pull on the toggle, and uh, you pretty much just rotate it in place like you were on a round. So the the scenery would change, but you really weren't going anywhere. Right. And you were going pretty much. And that's down. why they use them for base canopies. Yep. And then I made it eight years from that point to my next cutaway. Um, something like forty five hundred jumps between my first cutaway and my second cutaway. Okay. And then I had like five in a row. Just bang, 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 bang. bang, bang. Yeah, uh, they all caught up with me all yeah. at once. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I uh, I got to the point where I was just like fucking over it. I was like, ah, fucking malfunction. <laughs> tink, tink. All right. Ah, what it's am I having for lunch? not get used to it, but you definitely get comfortable with it. Yeah. I just used to get mad. Right. Like, ah, this motherfucker. All right. I used to tell my students to look at it. Hey, man, look up. <laughs> <laughs> You're only going to get to click, see click. this once. Oh, yeah. I, I said on a previous show, man, I like, I just, oh, because, you know, if they're looking down, right. they never see it. Right. Or a lot of malfunctions happen on tandems and they never realize. Oh, yeah. It. You chop, chop, boom. And they're like, yeah. We live. We, hey, so I had to stop saying, oh, shit. Right? I'm like, boom. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, man. What's wrong, man? Are we okay, man? I'm like, ah, oh, man. Just I, hold on. I think I made that mistake once, <laughs> like flying a pattern. And, on, you know, I saw something inconsequential on the ground. And you're like, oh, shit. And then yeah. you feel the person just like, stiffen oh, like oh, a board. Like, yeah. oh, he's not going to pick his legs up now. <laughs> Should have kept my mouth shut. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. How many times did you get in before you? Uh, about 4,500. 4,500 tandems? Yeah. God, you did 2,000 so, more than me, man. So I did seven years. That's about all I did was tandems. Right. Up at Mark Mark's place at Tipple? Yeah, both. Uh, my first couple hundred were out at Lexington. Mm-hmm. And then I moved over to Skydive Temple, and I worked up there for five, six years. Sweet. Some of those years, we were. I did 997 tandems in yeah. a year. I've had a 1,000 tandem year at uh, Skydive Dallas. It's just the way it is, man. You don't know what skydiving is until you bang a 1,000 tandems in a year. (laughs) Who that hair on you? I try to say, if you're not working in the sport, you don't really know what skydiving is. Like, real fucking skydiving. Like, turning loads, dropping rigs, pack jobs. Who packed your shoot? I say in the song, who packed your shoot? I don't know. I don't fucking know. Some kid in there. Some guy. (laughs) Or that girl. I don't know who the fuck packed this shit. And you're just humping. Right. That malfunction happens, chop, get on the ground, hey guys, boom. I've seen legs broke, 
boom, hey guys, sorry, I'm on the plane. It's just, it's your rotation, it's your food, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's your fuel. Man, shout out to all professionals, man. Yeah. It's it's a tough grind, but I know it's all love and joy, but you know you're working sometimes. When it's 108, Austin, right? you know what I'm saying? It, it, you're working, and man. And you do those 50, 60, 10 weekends, and you get home, and it looks like you've been in a fight with the rubber hose for three days. Uh, yeah, bruises just bruise, everywhere. Just bruise, thighs, bruise. Yeah, man. Yeah, and your arms and shoulders are burnt from flaring and running parachutes all weekend. It's and then I'd have to wake up Monday and edit video. We used to take the videos home <laughs> with the DVRs and edit them and mail them out. So I spent all day Monday. Days. Yeah, just, dog. What a crazy way of life that was. It's not like that anymore. With uh, the digital age. and the It's a little bit easier on the video guys these days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chop and edit. People are a lot more used to using digital technology. So yep. you don't have the, the blank stare when you turn the camera on. Right. Say something, dude. <laughs> Is it on? <laughs> or like, uh, I remember we were trying to transition people to USB. So like, right. I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't know how to use that. You know, like, ah, uh, I need a CD, a DVD. <laughs> the the one of my favorite things to do is go back and watch a bunch of my old tandem footage and and watch the transition through time as people get better at interviews because people are more used to all right, talk to the phone or all right, I'm gonna right. do this so. Right, it's so a new era, energy. isn't it? Yeah, so people are more, like, you shove a mic in front of their face and they, like, their personality clicks on and they're like, oh, yeah, hi, where's Skydive Temple? Oh, right, hey, that it'd is. Before be like, uh, yeah. what? Uh, I'm uh, skydiving. <laughs> now they're like, yo, I'm here with my brother, boom, 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 Instagram, pal. They got poses. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. It's the digital age, it's a, man. It's a different world. It is a different world. Where do you think this is going? Oh, who knows? With these tunnels and shit? The new canopies, the gear, the sky hooks. I mean, where's it going? My big hope is that we see a lot more integration between the free fly world, the angle world, and the belly fly world. Right. Because up till now, we've had fairly substantial walls between the communities, right? Like right. The number of people who are really good at belly flying and really good at free flying is what, 20, 25? On, you know, you're talking about. 100 weight plus qualified, like that's a low, low number of people. But right. I think to grow our sport, we need to aim toward getting more people to that where you could go do a 100 weight free fly and belly. belly. Well, that's what I'm working on. Right. And I fucking love and it. The, I, it's really hard to integrate the two skill sets together, but you know, it's one of those things. It's a road we're going to have to walk at some point. Right. If we keep diverging farther and farther apart, then you create more clicks in the sport, less family more walls, unity, more right. walls, right? And but it's such a specialized thing, man. Like to be really good at big ways, all you can fucking do is big ways. If you want to be badass at four way, you got to fly four way over and over. You want to free fly or angle dive, it takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of skydives to get this shit. So it's kind of hard to be that well rounded. It takes a decade. Yeah, you know, it's called dedication. Yeah, yeah, that's what it takes. <laughs> Fucking A. So we got a Sammy freak out somewhere out there in the universe. Uh-oh. Yeah, so we normally do Friday freak outs. We might still do a Friday freak out, but we're about to do a real life freak out, it's son. From the, from the deep, deep in the vaults of, I'm not going to tell you where this was. Right, where and when have been hidden to protect the It was names. more than a year ago. All you people at the USBA. It was more than... It was probably a decade, decade ago. Decade ago, yeah. You could tell from the PC one hundred and one it was filmed on. 
Oh, PC 101. Yeah, it's old school. I had a PC 9. Is that right? It was big and heavy as fuck. I I got a video in my kid's room of me uh, shooting video in Industrial Haze, but you can see a big-ass metal bracket on the side of my helmet, and it's giant. Well, the cameras are still big, but this thing is like a brick on the side of my head. I thought I was the shit of that thing, dog. <laughs> Look how small it is. Yeah. It's awesome. With this big old lens. <laughs> I got the super wide angle, 900 degree lens. <laughs> and I'm like 20 feet back. <laughs> you can see the whole sky uh, through it. Hey, dude, I'm in the worst sit fly position ever, and I thought I was <laughs> killing it on this tandem. I'm like, I'm sit flying with I'll a tandem. The, the first camera setup I flew was a ProTech helmet with a big ass metal squid looking mount on the top of it, and then like a big JVC mini DV camera on top of that. Like, it was a ProTech? A, yeah, it was a ProTech with a metal mount screwed to the top of the ProTech. They used to be like the beginner video kit in the back of Parachutist magazine. For a ProTech? Yeah. A Did Pro-Tech it come with a helmet. chin cup? It had like a football style. Okay, good. It had to have something. Yeah. Because if not, that thing's going to right. move. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I hate know. chin cups, but they Ooh. make the video better. Oh, chin cups and eyepiece. Okay. All right. Eyepiece. Fucking snag piece. <laughs> I've got. I don't know, thousand jumps or so with an eyepiece that never had any problems. Did you Did you really need it? It helps a lot. It does. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, if you look out at the pros, at the big big dogs in the video world, everybody wears one. I think I don't. Okay, I don't want to speak on that. I was told it was just a crutch, man. Just fucking lay there and look at them. Well, it's like you don't go shoot a gun without a sight. Right, you don't shoot yeah. artillery without a sight. We well, do with these wide-angle lenses, man, if you're in the shot, you're in the shot. Right, but if you're if you're shit centered through the whole thing, through yeah, the whole time, I'll give you that. It, it does create a better. Visual I'll give you that, as opposed to the right. Yeah, know? yeah. And stabilization, and then modern cameras has come a long way with that, so you don't get it as bad. Right, it looks a little but, cleaner. Right, but you know, good framing is good framing. Right on. And it can be the difference between did that weird little thing that I caught out of the corner of my eye get on video or not, as opposed to I know I'm looking at what I'm trying to right. record. So what I was taught was fly up to the student, find yourself in the reflection, go down a foot and a half and stay there. Right? As long as you can see yourself, you're going to get the shot. Right. As long as there's a mirror and the lighting conditions are right and right. she's not spinning wildly out of control, <laughs> right, which, you'll be in the right yeah, place. Right. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> yeah. um, so we started talking about the no speed limit event. That was 40 ways? 40 ways, yeah. 40 ways. Yeah, it's uh, two planes, full up, everybody go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Are uh, you building sequentials? Yeah. Those are all usually multi-points. I think the most we've done was three or four point 40 ways, which is... Fucking pretty good. Yeah. Yo, these things start waving like a sheet when you're like making your bed and you flip the sheet. Yo, a big wave will wave, man. And as you if you're flying up to something like that and it's moving, it's fucking intimidating. Yeah, it can be you never know if it's gonna reach over and kick you at some point in the I've had, you know, or at least it looks like it. You're sitting there next to the formation waiting for it to build so you can dock and then you just see this whole thirty five person mob like, Hey, it's it's moving. It's coming right for it's us. It's coming right for us. <laughs> it's coming right for us. Back up, back up now, back up. <laughs> if not, is there a Friday freakout we could maybe what nope. Oh, internet's down in the studio, guys. Oh. Not a surprise. Right on. So um we're in the east side of deep downtown Austin right now. Deep, deep, and deep, the deep, east side. The east side, the hood, baby. The hood, baby. I love it around here. So um, you've been here before. 
once a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tom Jones used to film in this same studio, and you came here to see a show. Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Yeah, Tom this Jones. What the? Is I, like <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he was ever here. Was. All, right, all right, okay. Yep. Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Infowars.com. For those old school Austinites, back back in the day, us the Last of Us locals, um, I guess early to mid '90s, Alex mm-hmm. Jones was on cable access TV, and this was the studio that uh, he shot out of so like you would turn cable access on late at night and there'd be alex jones with just a mic and a table you know preaching the good word on right. the, the airwaves that's good so one night you know we were imbibing and we decided you know let's go see that dude right. so one of my buddies knew where this place was and we we're like all right so we all pile in the car in the middle of the night and head on down to the east side to go see alex jones and at the time he had no following. Nobody knew who he was. It was just the crazy dude who got on the TV in the middle of the night and would take any, like, you'd call and say whatever you want, and he would just go, yeah, 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 next. Right. Yeah, 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 next. Oh, you got a conspiracy to talk about? All right, let's do this. Right, right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, so, uh, like I said, we're in the hood. Uh, something happened to your friends outside. Oh, yeah, man. So I'm down here, and we're hanging out watching Alex Jones, and my buddies are like, well, you know, we got to go do that thing. I'm like, all right, well, go do your thing. I'll be here come back when you're done so like 20 25 minutes goes by i'm watching this dude take weird phone calls on the you know on the what used to be the internet let's call it that was cable access tv back in the day was the early you guys in the big studio right over here he just had like a a real simple like two seats and a table set up in front of him and then like half an hour goes by and my buddies show back up and they're both just like wide-eyed like dude we gotta go (laughs) what's the matter like no dude we gotta go <laughs> all right, all right, let's go, let's go. So we get out in the car and I'm trying to, to drag the story out of them. I'm like, what happened, man? And they're like, well, you know, we, we tried to do something and it didn't work out so well. Like, well, you know, you give me some details, just what's happening? And they're like, well, we might have been trying to buy a nickel bag off this guy on the corner a couple blocks down. Right. Like, all right, you might have. Like, yeah, but it, it didn't work out like that. Like, yeah. And so we walk up to the guy. We tell him we want a five, and so he looks around real cautiously and, like, spits something out in his hand, grabs the guy's money, drops something, and just takes off running. So the guys walk back, and they look, and he had sold him a pebble for $5. <laughs> they got that crack rock <laughs> <laughs> on the side of the street in downtown Austin. Uh-huh. Oh, I love this area. All right, I think we got a video. All, All right, right, this let's... is a Sammy freak out. Why don't you set the stage for this? Uh, so this was uh, doing a level four out of a 182, right? So these can be shorter skydives, like you said. You know, you're going from 11.5. Some buddies of mine sit flying. So level four is the 90s, 180s, 90s, right? It's a release dive, and they got to do release 90s. dive and turns. Yeah. yeah, usually 90s, 180s if they're doing good. Right on. And this is before tunnels. Way before tunnels, yeah. Or at least before there was one in this area. Right. Check so in, I, forward, down, up, go. And away <laughs> we fly. And away we fly. Now, this is a student I had jumped with on his level three. And even in a baggy jumpsuit, I was kind of on the edge of my flying mm-hmm. um, ability. Not ability, but speed range. So you can see how flat yeah, he is. Yeah, he's flat and he's stiff. So stiff he's going board. slow. So oh. you can see me here starting to like, oh, man. Oh, oh crap, he's going slow. So I'm all cupped out, trying to get as much as I can. 
Look at them legs. I'm like, Show all right, legs, he's look. turning, but he's not. All right, that wasn't bad. Yeah, you know, nothing too crazy. And then oh, here comes oh, pull time. Oh, shit. Get in there, Sammy. Let's just turning this into a oh, goat roping. No. Oh, no. No. <laughs> so that pause right there that you can't see on video. I'm, I'm doing the AFF instructor. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, good God. And he looks me oh, right in the eye. Freestyle. Look, my kids do that. <laughs> I'm giving him the pull signal, looking him eyeball to eyeball like, listen, man, you got one chance at this. Holy you should really fuck. pull. Where are you at? 2,000? Um, Two best, out. Boom. Holy fuck. The best I can tell from the video and, oh. and debriefing it was we he oh. pulled at about 1,200 feet. Oh, my God. Listen. Hey, listen. If you're an... Uh, and I pulled a little bit below that. Learn to skydiveaustin.com. I'm not chasing you down there, <laughs> motherfucker. We did this shit in the tunnel. You better pull, son. I'm tracking away at four. I'm not playing with that shit. Hey, let's run that back, Bama, please. Good God. Yeah, that was a little exciting. Holy shit. That totally overdoes my worst AFF experience. Not worst because it turned out glorious, but that was fucking crazy. Bam, before tunnels. That's why I don't jump with anybody that doesn't have tunnel time. <laughs> <laughs> Back You're not then, my man, student. You just had you to got get on the minutes, horse but... and ride, man. There wasn't a whole lot of other options. So as you guys see, his arms and his elbows are all dug in, right? So that's making him floaty and he's stiff, right? Really stiff. No, and no his arch legs from are the loose. pelvis. No arch from the pelvis, which means his hips should be down. But it's not so bad. If he just straighten his legs a little bit and loosen up his arms, he'd be fine. Altitude check. I mean, he's a heads-up dude. It's just his pull time scares the shit out of him. Head goes low because yeah, he's not pushing his the, left arm out to compensate, and then it's bad. Once you get scared at pull time and shit's going wrong, fuck. Oh, my Tension God. Tension Here we go. Knees are low. He's knee flying. Here we go. Flip twist. Flip twist. Throw it. Ugh. Just <laughs> pull, out. man. Just Lay pull. Out. Why are you down there? You just care too much. Yeah. I don't care that much, man. You can see oh, I didn't Jesus look Christ. at my altimeter until right before he pulled where I'm, you know, at that point I'm already seeing the ground in my peripheral vision coming up like, oh, dude, how low are we? And when I look on the video. Let it play for a sec. It's roughly 1,500 feet. And then by the time I pull, I'm guessing between 1,250 and 1,150 when I let go of my pilot chute. <sighs> and then my Cypress fires. So it said it. Oh my 750, god! So I was probably still sniveling at 750 feet when it popped the reserve. Oh my god! Hey, um, so what? Po he he dumped. Yeah, he pulled. All Otherwise, right. we'd have both just went into Cypress Fire. Right. So here we go, guys. You've seen. You've been in class. You've you've talked about this. You've seen videos. You've seen pictures. You've now got two out. Okay. I teach that you either didn't do a gear check or you pulled low because that's what fucking right. caused it. Yeah. All right. So now you're two out. What are you thinking right now? Just take it straight uh, in. Well, you jumping got jumping a nine cell elliptical yeah, you got and Texas a reserve. So my, you can see in the video the the canopies keep swishing back and forth oh, past each other. Yeah. Oh, that's fucked. Did you flare? Uh, I flared with the rear risers. Okay. Just barely. With I the, mainly with the just, reserve. Yeah. I was mainly just like, you know what? I'm just gonna take this hit and try to miss that fence. <laughs> I would take this hit, try to. Oh my god! Yeah, I couldn't really steer. I was more concerned with keeping both the canopies above my head because right, were, you don't you know, want. Yeah, the I saw them also in the game. Yeah, so you got the. So when you're that low, controls on each side. Do you ever think about chopping the main in the, at any point? Not at that low, right? Um, yeah, you're under grand. Yeah, it's not a good Jesus idea. Jesus Christ! You can I, see the eyeballs of the cows at that point, right? I've seen too many videos of people doing that and getting their main snagged in the reserve and causing 
you know, an unrecoverable malfunction too low to too low. survive. So if you if you got all that altitude, you're still at 2,500, you got two out, make the decision, make your move. But if you're under a grand and you did something stupid like chase a student, right? You, you, work with what you got, what get it to the get. ground safely. Because <laughs> more yeah. parachute is going to be better than less parachute. Man, that's why I designed the program the way I did, man. Like, uh, when you fly with me in the tunnel, we're training on the Learn to Skydive Austin, you have the dummy rig on, you're going to do 50, 60 pull right. sequences, and you're going to stick your hand inside the BOC and show me that you're capable of finding it and then going. What happens is it's go time. Oh, yeah. You want to live. You might not find it. You, you're not confident you're going to find it. You freak out. Your knees go low. You're twisting your body closer to your hand. Anything to get this parachute out, and now you're tumbling through the sky doing flip twists on your Just back. Just making it worse. Happens that fast, man. So uh, I'm not jumping with you unless you got tunnel time. So. <laughs> tunnel time with me. <laughs> no shit, man. Holy shit. So my AFF experience, like, I got a few hundred ever. But uh, there was one where, uh, you know, we do the ride-throughs. Right, we're real good at we're skydiver type. We're real, he's real strict on that, um, and it's good reason. I was with this guy, normal skydive, waves, reach backs, throws, but he had just been taken off the ripcord program, mm. so he holds the pilot yeah. chute. So I assist, and I see he grabs it, and he's going for the throw. So I go to turn the track away, but I'm still holding for the ride through. But I'm ready to go. It's done. You right. know, I'm just waiting to like do something cool with my buddy and yeah. go. And he's still holding it like a, so. I, I go. I come back and I slap it out of his hand. When I do that, I have a lot of momentum and I go over oh, his back. As the rig comes out, hits me in my chest, rolls me to my back. I fall off of him. He deploys fine. I drop down to 12, right? Because, right, you know, we're dumping at 5'5, five, 5,000. Five, he throws 4'5, four, 4,000. He still got it. I come back in, hit, hit 3,000, 3,000, 2,500. Flip over on my back, 1,200, roll over, dump. Uh, velocity 96 Ooh. over a neighborhood. Yikes. Neighborhood, streets, power lines, dude, the drop zone's a half mile that way. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, fuck you, man. Right? I see a median with no lights and no power lines, and I'm like, I've got to bring this motherfucker straight in, dog. I don't know if it's going to do that because I've always hooked it because right. it's velo. I turn that bastard around, bring in half brakes, dog. Stood it up like a oh my god! Like this is the greatest parachute that's ever been invented, and I just proved it to myself because I was in a bad situation, landing in nowhere. No man, and it could have been bad, but that motherfucker set me down. I've been a fan ever since. I don't want to jump anything else. I always say if I had a billion bucks, I'd just buy a brand new Velo ninety six. Every time, yeah, every time. I know those Valks are out. We're not going to get in this conversation. <laughs> Layers and shit. Yeah, I've never made the jump to the cross brace world. Uh, really? No, I still fly a nine cell. Oh off. man, you're tripping. Well, when you get in with forty to seventy-eight people, you really don't want something that's gonna outdrive everybody, everybody and, else. I understand that, and take you know extra time to there's, open. There's something about that cross brace that feels safer. It feels I've heard that a lot. Safer, dude. Yeah. I jump that other shit. It feels like you got a water bed above <laughs> you. It's like oh, that's what I'm used to. Yeah, I'm not. I don't like that water bed shit, man. I want a wing. I'm fucking Top Gun, baby. Right. You know what I'm saying? I need it rigid. Rigid. All right, man. Um, flight nights. Flight night. I like your um, perspective on this. We've been doing it for 93 events. Yeah, we're pushing 100 now. Pushing 100. You've been there most of the time. I've been there. And every fucking one of them, I think. Um, You came in pretty experienced. You got way better, and now you're one of my mentors. I'm like, like, who's new? Sammy. (laughs) (laughs) You with Sam tonight, right? It was like you, Mark Farr, Jeff Gowie. 
are my go-tos. Um, I'm not trying to move my or anything like that, but what has it done for local skydiving? Oh, man. Flight nights is one of those things that it's hard to overstate how much good it's capable of and already how much good it's done, right? We've been going, we've been plugging along for, what, two years roughly now? Yeah, a little bit more. And you can see the level of drills we're doing is increasing, right? Because right. it used to be Wazi Block was like, oh, man. Oh, we're going to kill 14 people tonight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, we can go in there. People are burble hopping. They're turning points. They're they're learning, you know, the fundamental four-way stuff that you need to know. Before. And they're taking it to the sky. Right. So they're, they're leaving flight nights and flying these same fucking blocks. Right. Super you, dope. You got people like Jeff and, man, the 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 distance Jeff has come and the, the time that we've been doing flight nights is probably the – the best testament to the event there is because that dude yep. shows up every time every no jeff's part he of, he's flies, a staple yeah he, he's a staple at the beginning he was learning and now he's to the point where he's learning and teaching at the same time yep and that's i think where we get the greatest benefit is yeah we're learning at the beginning that's all we're gonna do but at the same time there's nothing that's going to teach you a skill better than teaching that skill to someone else. Right. Because now you have to know the intricacies of it in order to pass it along to the next person. And you don't have to be the greatest skydiver in the world to help somebody clean up their knee turns or right. to give them, you know, a, a perspective they may not have heard on arching, you know, the muscle groups or the way that you think about it versus the way that they've been told in the past. You know, and this is, information that's not necessarily easy to transfer from person to person and sometimes it takes somebody with a completely different perspective on the game in order to get that message across to a new person right and everybody learns differently right and you know uh it takes a, a village right right it to, does especially yeah. in skydiving because not everybody you know you have personality differences and stuff like that and right. not everybody can learn from everybody Right. Some people learn from specific people way faster than they will from other people, and it's, you know, that's kind of the awesomeness of it. It is, and there's there's a lot of perspectives and a lot of uh, a lot of skill levels. So we're seeing little snippets of some things we do. There's like adventures. the, yeah, the uh, the neon nights. <laughs> so these guys made dope jumpsuits with the LEDs in them and sprayed like fucking uh, the spray. What is that? We spray? tried everything. We tried everything. UV Black lights, smoke, yeah, light. lasers, man. Like uh, they gave us free reign to make this shit awesome, and we did. We got rings and hoops. Are the rings in this one? Yeah. At the end, yeah, yeah. Flight nights, baby. This I know the video sucks, guys. The Just, massive crazy. Yeah, yeah. Bring it, bring it. So look, it, the, it's choppy. I'm sorry, guys, but it's worth watching. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I come from a place where the drop zones didn't like each other. There was beef. There's old, old school beef between AFF instructors or something in Oklahoma where we, you're not allowed to associate with them. Don't associate with them. Right. And like, I hated that. Yeah. Because I was friends with the owner of the other place, but I worked for this guy that didn't like them. And then my friends had this other place. And I was like, man, I can't do this shit. Right. Like, I love skydiving. Um, and in Cali, they would have a yearly dinner where all the local drop zones in Northern Cali would come together. They were tuxes and shit, and they'd watch videos oh, at nice. a theater, and it was a big deal. And I, I remember hearing about that, and I was like, I've always wanted that yeah. for us, for me. I always wanted all my friends to be together, because you go to one drop zone, you love everybody. Mm -hmm. And you know other people at the other drop zone would love this guy. Right. They'll never go, yeah. right? So at the tunnel, I saw an opportunity to bring all four or five local DZs together, 
right? Four of us, right? There's what? Temple, Lexington, San Marcos, who am I forgetting? Spaceland. Is that the four? Lone Star. Lone Star now. That's five now. So let's take out Houston because they've got the memorial. So we got the four locals. Mm. And I wanted to bring it together and have a place where everybody to mix and mingle. And they have. Right. And instead of staying at their one drop zone, everybody has started jumping everywhere. It's, it's caused a lot more travel for sure in, yeah. the, in the local community. And people know each other now. Right. Right? It's fucking dope. It's fucking dope. And I thank you, iFly, for giving us that platform because oh, yeah. they've supported me a lot. They let us do whatever we want. Um we hang out. We go to the bar afterwards. Shout out to Third Base North, mm-hmm. man. Uh, they give us the back room just because they put our videos up on the screens. We drink beer. We we debrief. We, yeah, we look like you fucking cringe. asshole. Look at that <laughs> shit, right? Yeah, all the crashes. We're cheering and shit. And like the locals are watching our videos. They're coming in, asking questions, and hanging out. It's a good time. I would be doing one this week, but I didn't do it. It'll be next week. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing better. There's no better way to increase your skill than slow, incremental, steady learning, right? You're not going right. to go out and overnight learn how to fly head down. You're not going to go out and overnight learn how to fly four-way. You need to dedicate yourself, pick a discipline that you really like, and think about it like, all right, where can I be in a year from now if I put my mind to it and I show up at flight nights every week? And that small incremental change over time, you'll see yourself like, oh, crap, I was just on a 20-way. Oh, crap, right. I was just on a 40-way. Oh, crap, I was just on a 78-way. Right. And before you'll know it, it's like me. I show up, and I'm like, how in the fuck did I get here? Yeah. You know, I started, I was just sucking wind at the tunnel doing four-way. What was it? Oh, shit, that was two years ago. Right. Okay. You know, maybe it's Maybe I that, put the time in. total you got to keep grinding and grinding and grinding if you want to get there. Yeah, perfect example of that is in the tunnel, uh, especially around the talent that I'm surrounded by, uh, you always suck. Right. It doesn't matter how <laughs> fucking good you think you are. Danny Cordido comes in and does some crazy shit. You're like, I fucking quit. Just going to smack Drew Still down on the floor. You know, my yeah. kid's coach, Drew Still. Shout out, Drew Still. Drew Still gets in the plane. I mean, get in the plane. He gets to the tunnel, and it's like, why am I even here? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is pointless. So, um... It, but people watch you. They'll see you. Like they'll come fly this one time, and you're doing your demo, and then they don't see you for two or three years. Right. And they see you again. They're like, "Holy fucking shit!" You're like, "No, I still suck, bro. I still can't do what he's doing." But that's not the point. Like if you're putting in the small criminal work, you're getting better, even though you don't realize it. Right. And a lot of times we don't realize how good we're getting because we're always pushing the next level. Yeah. Like if you're always reaching for the next perfection, or you're trying to get this better, you. It feels like you suck because you don't get it. And when you get it, if you move on, you're never going to feel comfortable that you're awesome because you're always pushing yourself, even though you've accomplished all those things. And I like the humility of that new learning, right? right? If As long as you're learning, you're never going to get too cocky because you're like, oh, I don't got it. As mm-hmm. soon as you stop and you're just like, focus on what you got, and I'm the best at this. And then you become an asshole. But as long as you feel like the first timer once in a while, you can appreciate the experience. And I think that's kind of where being a multi-discipline skydiver comes in handy because you may be a badass free flyer but then you go do a four-way and get showed up by some 400 jump kid oh yeah you know and that just pushes that drive a little bit harder like all right right maybe i need to work on my belly a little bit (laughs) and you know you sharpen that side of the sword a little bit then you go back and you do some more free fly with your buds and you know you just keep working both sides you know, pushing yourself farther and farther. And the bigger the chunk of the community that you can learn from, mm-hmm. the more potential you have to learn. 
So if you right. isolate yourself and oh, I'm only going to do wingsuits, well then you're you're now limited to the wingsuit community's knowledge. Even right. though the skydiving community has an insane amount of knowledge that might help you in your wingsuiting, but if you only wingsuit, you're never going to get to touch any of that knowledge outside of your own little specific. Right. Like, and if you don't travel to other drop zones, right. you're missing out on a lot, man. Huge. You can't stay isolated. Just because your place has otters and cold beer doesn't mean the other places don't. Right. Shit, Mark Mark has a uh, keg of shiner on the deck All and the a time. fucking gun shop, man. It's called Shoot and Shoot. So you can go skydive and then go buy some fucking 5.56, five, baby. Right. Texas style. How we roll. That's how we roll. <laughs> right on. So Sam, man, very accomplished. You've done a lot. You're a gold medalist in 20 ways. Uh, you're one of my mentors. Somebody wants to be, to do this. They they're just did their first fucking time. Right? What advice would you give them? What, what advice would you give young Sam? Well, you did it, though. What Don't, about somebody that's reluctant? Um, it, in order to get to let's say this level, I don't know what this level is, but let's let's use it as an example. The dedication is going to be the biggest thing, right? If you don't have the dedication to get up in the shitty weather and drive to the drop zone just in the hope of getting a jump, right? Reconsider, you know, or right. push yourself to be that dedicated. Because it's like anything, like with, you know, teaching myself to knit. Right, I I had a goal which was to be able to knit something, but I'm sitting here with absolutely zero knowledge or information. So the first thing to do is get that knowledge and then put it to use. And the only way to do that is to get into the community to get that knowledge and then put it to use. Right, right. You're not gonna get the drive that it takes to show up every weekend if you're not a part of the community at the drop zone. Right, if you're not a part of that tunnel community that. Instead of thinking, oh, man, I'm going to go do 360s tonight and just do four-way, you're thinking, all right, I'm going to go see all my buddies. We're going to have some good conversation. I'm going to hear some cool skydiving stories, and we're going to work on 360s tonight. Right, right. That's a much more palatable pill to take while you're grinding that sword than just I'm going to go do 20 minutes of head down time. And And that's it. It's good skill, but it doesn't come with the same longevity factor as mixing the community in with the skill yeah yeah and tunnel time's cheaper if you split it hey yeah yeah that's why four-way kicks ass <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> sam king everybody man that was a great show son <laughs> right on sammy <laughs> thanks for having me no doubt man where can people find you find videos or anything um i'm on facebook i have a vimeo page guy geek 76 on vimeo uh there's some funny stuff up there there's some cool stuff up there it's, it's you know it's my personal small collection of stupid crap. Right on, man. Right on. So, uh, awesome story, son. Hey, if you haven't yet, like and subscribe. Wazzy Circus Radio. Keep your head on a swivel and hook that shit, son. Ah, learn to skydive. It'll change your life. It saved mine. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, let's go.